Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, everyone. On today's show, we hear the two positive birth stories of Perth mother, Sarah. When a friend suggested she look into her local birthing center, she felt it was the perfect place to birth her first baby. Although she had a challenging postpartum healing from an episiotomy, she knew she would return to the birth center for her second child. It was only when a midwife suggested she try for a home birth through the hospital that she opened herself up to the idea of birthing her second baby at home. Excitement for her new birth plan grew as she dove deeply into the home birth world. But unfortunately, a diagnosis at her 20-week scan left her too high risk to be signed off for a home birth. Feeling deflated, a visit to her hypnobirthing practitioner helped Sarah regain the confidence in herself and her baby to have a physiological birth regardless of where it may be. And she went on to have the powerful intervention-free birth experience she desired. Enjoy the show. Sarah, welcome to Positive Birth Australia. Thank you for being here. Hi. Do you want to just start off by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, so we live in Perth, Western Australia, mm-hmm. and it's my husband and me um, and our two babies, Caden uh, and Erica. What beautiful names. Yeah, um, they're both Scottish. I love them. Yeah, he's from Scotland and... Um, we wanted to sort of keep that tradition, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And were they planned conceptions? Um, yes, they were. So we got married um, the year before we started trying for Caden. Mm-hmm. Um, we were living in Doha in Qatar and both working over there. And um, it took us about nine months with Caden. And, um, yeah, so when we found out we were pregnant with him, we decided to move back to Perth um, to build our family home and just to sort of settle down here um, for a more kid-friendly environment. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And was there anything you did in the lead-up to that conception to sort of get your body in prime condition? Um, yeah, like I always knew when we got married I wanted to try straight away. Um, so I sort of prepped. Uh, I tried, We both actually try to stay fit and healthy anyway mm-hmm. um we have uh, we love, live off a plant-based diet too oh, um we i started having lots of green uh smoothies in the morning as well um and i used uh would exercise and do yoga as well for fertility mm-hmm. um and there was a book that i used to that i read that i really found really valuable the taking control of your fertility oh, okay. um yeah, and I found that really um, useful. I just wish, I wish I'd actually read it earlier as a teenager just to have a bit more of an understanding of my own body. Mm-hmm. And after I've read it, I've just told all my friends and said, I wish they teach you this at school, not that, that yeah. sex ed that they do. It's so ridiculous. Like, it's really um, informative and I would recommend anyone read it. It just sort of tells you actually how your body works and your cycles and, you know, it is normal to have cervical mucus and things like that because I think as a teenager, if no one really sort of tells you, mm. you sort of just think, what is this? And, you know, yeah. 
you don't even really know about ovulation, I feel like, until you start trying to have a baby. Yeah. So it's, it's really good to actually read. Um, it's good for um, conception, natural uh, natural conception, and also to not get pregnant um, yet instead of using other things. So what I would use with that is you would check your your cervical mucus and your, the, the cervical position and your temperature every morning, yeah. and that would sort of let you know um, if you're ovulating or you're about to ovulate, sort of. So we, we use that. Um, it did did take us nine months with him though, because mm-hmm. my my cycles aren't regular either. So um, I feel like that was maybe a little bit harder to determine as well because I don't ovulate exactly the same time every month. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of hit and miss. But and I also find as well when I'm travelling or I'm stressed, I just don't ovulate. Mm. So because um, we were living away, and then I think I was just adding a bit of stress on myself to get pregnant. You know, like. We were working away. No one was there. I was sort of um, focusing too much on it, so it stressed me out. And then I'd have a few cycles where I just didn't ovulate at all. Um, But, yeah, in the end it ended up happening and um, we decided then to move back home. And, yeah, so that was all I sort of did up to the lead up to it. Yeah, nice. And how was your pregnancy? Yeah, it was really good. Um, Loved being pregnant. Um, had morning sickness till about 14 weeks and then that died off and um, felt fine. And, yeah, so I kept fit again. Like I stopped doing any high intensity. I would just do walks and I did prenatal yoga, which I really would highly recommend. Um, I loved that for just uh, keeping strong. And then also um, our, my instructor would teach us positions for birth. It, um, breathing techniques of birth and just meditating and feeling like more connected with baby. Um, so I found that really good. And I also um, luckily had a couple of friends who were quite on the same wavelength as me and recommended the Family Birthing Centre and Hypnobirthing. Um, so, so I looked into both of those and I'm really glad that I did because it just aligned um, so well with me and how we live our life. So um yeah so those were the things I did during pregnancy and just a prenatal and like I said I would keep up my greens um sometimes I just found it really hard to get them in so I'd just have them in a smoothie in the morning um oh I did want to also say just um with the lead up why I sort of had decided to go with the birthing center mm-hmm. um so um I'm not really I, I mean no one really is but I'm not a fan of hospitals and um like just I had heard some stories about yeah people taking, um, you know, drugs during birth but had making them feeling sort of out of control mm-hmm. and I just felt like I didn't want to be like that giving birth and so I sort of when I did look into the birthing centre and it's, um, you know, it's it's halfway between the hospital and your home mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it's it's um they don't really offer you any drugs there apart from the gas. So I thought I think this is what I want to do. Um, my mum had delivered all of us six um, vaginally without anything apart from gas. So I think that's just sort of where my head was at anyway because that's what I'd heard. Um, And, yeah. Perfect. So should we jump to that first sign of labour? Yeah. So um, I was 38 and three. Oh, Um, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'd been, just from 37 weeks, I'd like been bouncing on the ball, eating the dates. I'd been doing the, um, I'd gone to acupuncture. So from 37 weeks, I just started trying everything. Um, And so, yeah, it was a Monday morning and and it was uh, 38 and three. And I sort of started having, um, oh, I went to the toilet and I wiped and the mucus plug was there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I just messaged my midwife and sent her a photo, which I'm sure they love. <laughs> She'd be um, so used to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and she just said, yeah, you know, things might start happening, just keep an eye on it. And that night I went to bed and just sort of had like the light period um, crampings overnight, but nothing that was sort of waking me up. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, same sort of thing during the day. And my midwife was going to be coming to see me that day um, at my house. Oh, nice. So she was making home visits as well. Yeah, so with the birthing centre, you get the same midwife or you get a team. And so say if your midwife's not there, um, you would get someone else. But if your midwife's on that night, you get her. Okay. And she lived in the same suburb as, as me. So I literally only had to go to the host, the um, family birthing centre for a uh, checkup once. And then the rest of the time, she just came to my house. It was oh, nice. really good. Yeah. 
yeah, so she came to, she was due to come to mine that afternoon and um, so I just had a nap in the afternoon and I actually woke up from the nap. Um, the surges had sort of gone to that next level of intensity and I thought this is, you know, something's happening now. Um, she, I don't know if she came. I'm trying to think. I don't think she came then because I messaged her and just said that um, and she said I think you'll probably, you know, be in tonight or tomorrow morning so just like um, keep me informed um, so then my, I told my husband, he came home from work. Um, we went down to the beach. We both really loved the ocean. So, um, we went for a walk, um, and I just labored at the beach and went for a swim, which was really beautiful and Amazing. calming. Yeah, it was so nice. Uh, came home, he made me dinner. We had dinner. Then, um, I said to him, you know, go to bed, get as much rest as you can. And uh, I stayed up just on the fit ball, had a hot water bottle on my back and it was sort of just um, probably about by 11 I'd hit the stage where I needed to get into the shower um, and I was trying for as long as possible not to get into the shower because I thought that's probably going to be my final sort of um, pain relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got in there about 11 and I stayed in there till 5 a.m., <laughs> Um, just I took it was a it was a double shower so I took the fit ball in with me and just when I was having contractions I stood up and uh, would have my back under the water and just be using my breathing techniques from the hypnobirthing Mm -hmm. Um, and when I wasn't I would sit down or like basically lean over the ball and just pass out um, just to get some rest and then I, he came in and checked on me every now and then and I just said, oh, can you ring them? I feel I feel like, you know, I need to go in, I need to go in. Like I just had this, um, I don't know, I just I think my first time baby, I had this idea that it wasn't going to start until I got there yeah. sort of thing and it was just already so intense. Um, and so he rang them and I had been timing the contractions and they just weren't consistent. Um, so they would go like maybe, you know, seven minutes, five minutes or something and then maybe they'd last for a minute, maybe they would last for 30 seconds or something. They just weren't being consistent like they want you to be, which I now know just isn't, isn't um, everyone doesn't have it consistently. Mm-hmm. Um so anyway, he rang them and they were like, look, she can come in, but if she's less than four centimetres, you're going to have to go home. And I was going to hope I, I have to be more than four centimetres. <laughs> um, so he got everything packed and we drove to the family birth centre, which is about 25 minute drive. Um, and I just laboured in the back seat, but, um, I found I was absolutely dreading the car. I thought it was going to be horrible, but I just, it sort of slowed down a bit for me in the car. So it was manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got there and they checked me in and then they wanted to check me um, and I was just four centimetres. Um, so they said I could stay and so we got into our room. Um, it's really nice there. You've got your own like double bed, like floor mattress, fit ball, a couch for him, um, a bathroom with a shower, toilet and then they either bring an inflatable blow-up um, pool for you or if no one's using it, they've got like this um, one big one that's, uh, you know, by itself. So, oh, how nice. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's really nice there. Like I yeah, highly recommend it to anyone. It's just like a bit more comfortable than the hospital and then, you know, if you're not comfortable having a baby at home, then that's, you know, the sweet spot in between. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we settled in there and I had like my snacks and he was uh, giving me my water and he was really good birth partner. He'd learnt so much at the hypnobirthing class and he was doing all my um, pressure points for me between contractions and I was on the fit ball um I really like the water so I went back into the shower and I was like can I go in the bath now the pool now and they kept saying no like we don't want you to go until you're further on we don't want to slow it down so I just basically labored in the shower for a good few hours um the water wasn't hot enough for me there so um I had missed my home shower by then um, and my knees were just killing me by then as well, being on all fours for so long. Um, But, yeah, so then at about, I think it was 11, she wanted to check me again um, and I was only six centimetres by then and I'd got into them at about um, five, yeah, I was four centimetres when I got there, which was about 5.30am and then when she checked me, Again, I was only about six centimetres, so I just got really discouraged then because mm. I just felt they were ramping up. Um, and that was the only point there that I felt 
um, just take me upstairs and give me some drugs. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how much longer is this going to go on for? Yeah. But since then, I, you know, have since read that you can go from six centimetres to ten centimetres in, yeah. you know, like an hour and stuff. So um, I felt like now looking back the the um, – the check was more discouraging than it was helping and I shouldn't have, yeah, shouldn't have even asked how much it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but then from then, I, like within an hour, um, I'd got up to eight centimetres and she then wanted to break my waters, um, which I let her do. Um, and I was just sort of um, still breathing through all of my contractions at this point and it was really manageable and then when she broke my waters I felt like it got to that next stage like the transition like I was you know basically as soon as she broke my waters maybe within five minutes I said I need a push so um, we moved to the birth pool room um, because it was free so we moved in there um, I hopped in the bath and yeah just basically started to need that urge to just start pushing um, from there and um so I was doing that in between uh, during my contractions and having a rest. My contractions actually slowed down a bit there as well between the pushes just to give me that break. Um, so, yeah, my husband had ice chips on me to keep me cool and it was really nice in the bath. And as soon as I got in there, I just felt so much more, um, you know, like my knees weren't hurting, like everything's weightless. So you can just sort of focus more on getting the baby out than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about an hour and a half after pushing, he sort of was just, we didn't know um, what sex we were having either. So baby was just sort of, um, head was sort of coming out, just the tiniest bit and then sucking back in w- between the contractions, um, which I've heard is normal as well since that birth yeah. to for a first birth. It's sort of like stretch stretching um, you slowly. But they've obviously got their rules there and after one and a half hours they wanted me to get out of the bath. Um, the midwife had said, you know, um, if the baby's not here within two hours of pushing, you have to go up to the hospital. Mm. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, he was fine. His heart rate was fine. Um, everything was fine. But, yeah, they had to. They were following their rules. So we had to get out of the bath and I went back to the room with this, like, head between my legs. Oh, oh well, like, li- not the full head, yeah. but, you know, like the crown, <laughs> like the, the top of his head was there. Yeah. Um, so walked back to the room, got down on the mat on the floor, sort of went on my side like scissor style um, and my husband held my leg up and I did a few more pushes there and it was the same sort of thing. And then they just said, oh, um, do you mind if we just give you a cut to get the baby out? And I said yes. So um, they gave me a cut and then in the next push he just sort of, I don't feel like it was like, I do with my second birth it was sort of more just like a not not like a full-on contraction push out I just sort of slipped out more because of the cut I guess I don't know just um so yeah then he came out and they put him onto my chest and he did his meconium poo and wee all over me (laughs) Uh, and then we lifted him up and saw that he was a little boy and um we were just both crying and it was really beautiful and just surreal yeah and um yeah so then he just got to lay on me um while they did their stuff and my husband cut the cord after we did delayed cord clamping um and then um my husband took him for a little bit while they they, I had to get some stitches what was the episiotomy experience like for you I am so bad with needles. Like yeah. I would rather push out a baby than someone give me a needle. Yeah. <laughs> like I had so many people say to me, oh, once you have a baby, you won't care about needles. But I'm like, it, it must be a phobia because I still hate them. Like I do not want to get blood tests. Like don't come near me with them. It's so much more natural to push a baby That's out though, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, yeah, so they said what they did is they put a needle down there first to, I think, maybe numb the area, yeah. So they did that and I was actually clenching at my husband when they were doing this, whereas the whole time through birth I'm just doing my breathing and not, like, clenching at all. Yeah. And, yeah, so that sort of, I didn't like that. And then um, the, I didn't feel the cut but um, it definitely was, since having the, the contrast between the two, it was a, a um, harder recovery with Caden. Mm-hmm. Uh, um because of the cut so yeah I definitely was thinking next time around I I really want to avoid that if I can yeah um so yeah just he started feeding and um we ended up actually staying getting moved to the hospital and staying there a few nights because his breathing was a bit fast Mm -hmm. um 
but everything was all fine. They just sort of kept an eye on him. Um, and I think, like, looking back, I am actually appreciative that we did actually stay there because the midwives were just so helpful with the, me being a first-time mum. I think if I went home, I would have been more freaked out. And he ended up having a lip and a tongue tie. So I think um, being there, like, they got me on the shields and um, I sort of got a bit of information about getting you know, look, looking into the tongue tie and lip tie, whereas I think if I was at home, um, you know, maybe his weight wouldn't have gone on as quickly and things like that. So, yeah, it was it was good and, yeah, they were really lovely up at King Eddie Hospital as well. So, yeah, I was really happy with, with the birth. Like, I, yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. Yeah. Um, and I was really proud of myself for not running up to the hospital <laughs> and getting <laughs> drugs. <laughs> so uh, funny. So what about your episiotomy recovery? Any tips that you could share for that? I just used um, on the pads, I used the aloe vera mm-hmm. and the witch hazel. I did those pat- padsicles. Um, just obviously I would just um, not wipe or anything down there. I just, just use like a pump water bottle and spray yeah. Um, and yeah, just taking it easy. Like I wouldn't do any physical activity or anything like that for a while because um, it was really swollen as well. Um, and, yeah, just really taking it easy and stay in bed as long as you can and get your husband to do everything and mm. get people to bring you food. Like that's what you want more than you do presents and things like that for the baby. Yeah, absolutely. So how long until you guys felt ready to try again for baby number two? So we – I, we decided at like when Caden was one and a half that we'd start trying because I thought, you know, if it takes another nine months or whatever, we liked the two-year two age gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started like not trying but not wearing protection. So um, that sort of didn't end up, nothing sort of came from that after six months. So um, we then started actively trying um, and then that took us eight months mm-hmm. um, with her. Yeah. And yep. how was that pregnancy? So I had morning sickness with her again up to 14 weeks, so the same with him. With with um, Arika, yeah, I couldn't, like, it got to about 18 weeks and I used to just go for, like, nice, like, fast walks, like power walks and things like that for exercise. Um, but around 18 weeks I just couldn't do it anymore. It was really um, just I would get, like, stitches and felt like I'd get tightenings and stuff like that and it just would really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't do a lot of... I sort of stopped exercise then apart from prenatal yoga. I kept that up. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fine. Um, but, yeah, so that was the only really differences between the pregnancies for me. Um, I did, however, with her, it wasn't a straightforward pregnancy. Um, when we had the 20-week scan, um, they could see some cysts on her left kidney. Oh, okay. um, yeah, and I had actually um, decided this time because um, – I also forgot to mention that I went to the family birth centre, but I also had two um, forms of care. I also went to Perth Pregnancy Centre. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's called Perth Pregnancy Centre and um, it's bulk bill and it's all run by midwives and it's sort of just so you you can sort of you can avoid the doctor if you want as well. Yeah, what a great um, idea. So, you know, before like with the family birthing centre, I couldn't actually go and see them until I was so many weeks pregnant. I think it was maybe 18 or something like that. So when you want to go and get, you know, your 12-week ultrasound and you just want to get your initial check and things like that, you can go to the Perth Pregnancy Centre and they do all those things for you. And they actually have the ultrasound facilities on their oh, okay. um, premises now as well. Yeah. So they just bulk bill and then you just go see them and they're really lovely, the ladies there. And I also like going there because you get six weeks aftercare with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whereas with the Family Birth Centre or the hospital, it's only five days and they'll come out and see you. Um, whereas yeah, Perth Pregnancy Centre at six weeks, they've got the lactation consultant there who was really, um, really valuable for me with Caden with his lip and tongue tie. They, um, you know, diagnosed with him that properly. I went and got that fixed and they got him, um, then they helped me get him off the shields and things like that. So it was just really, yeah, I'd highly recommend them as well. If people like to avoid the GP as well, I know some people don't like going to the doctor. So, um, so when I, so when I got pregnant with Arika and I went to see them, my midwife there was like, you should have a home birth. And I was like, oh, I'm a bit scared. And she's like, why? <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't actually know. So I sort of, this pregnancy, I did a lot more research and looked into things and um, uh, started listening to your podcast, which I really Aww, loved. And That's amazing. Yeah, so, so um, not only like positive stories but really informative and you sort of hear other people's 
yeah. um, you know, things that they've read or done and you think, oh, I'll look into that. Mm. Um, I also listened to the Midwife Cauldron a lot, Love which them. was really helped, yeah, for all the evidence-based information and all like statistics and things like that for you to feel like, okay, so this isn't scary and this is normal, uh, you know, and be in more control of your pregnancy and your birth, like for you to just be more educated. So I love that. And I also listened to another one that's um, Happy Home Birth. It's an American one. Oh, yeah. They've got a few ones. Yeah, so I went home and I actually listened to one of theirs because it was had a couple of midwives on it that tell you exactly what they do at a home birth. And mm. that sort of put my mind at ease because they go through, you know, you know, we bring everything to the home birth. It's not like we're just there and we haven't got anything. You know, if anything is to happen, we've got all the stuff. And they, you know, sort of say, I think they had said out of how many births they'd done, they'd only ever had to have one transfer um, and everything was fine. So, Amazing. Um, and even my midwife was saying that at the Perth Pregnancy Centre, she had done over 300 home births and she said she had only had one transfer and it was fine. It was just um, precautionary. the baby yeah, it was just precautionary. Everything was fine. So um, so then I was like, because of COVID as well, I was like, I think I want to have a home birth. I want to be at home. I want Caden to be there if he wants to. I liked the idea of having my warm shower and not going into the birth centre yeah. and it being cold. I didn't want the drive. You know, everything's here. I wanted to avoid hospitals because we were in Perth and it was actually coming to that stage where they were going to open the borders and I was scared. Was my husband not going to be allowed in with me? Were we going to have to wear masks? Like there was so much stuff up in the air mm. that home birth just seemed like the better option. So this time I actually went through the community midwifery program, which is another um, government funded yeah, program. And that's the same as well. You have the same midwife from the start and they attend your home birth and they just have a second midwife come with them. Um, so I started off with them and I had, you know, my plan in place. Um, but as we know, nothing ever goes to plan. Mm. <laughs> and when that 20-week scan um, came on and they found that there was some cysts in her left kidney, um, I had to go to King Eddie um, and they started scanning me every two weeks from there basically till she was born. Okay. Um, Do they know what causes the cyst? So it's still like she's two months now and it's still we're still trying to work out 100% what's going on inside just because she's so small. Um, it is hard to see but as they as she got bigger in, in um, inside they found out a bit more. So it looks like she's got a multi-cystic kidney, which means that maybe the left kidney is not working at all. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's just full of cysts. But since she's been born, they've done some tests at the hospital and it looks like that maybe half of it's functioning. So it's like she's got one and a half kidneys. Yeah, okay. But So basically because she had that, I became high risk yeah. and they didn't sign me off for the home birth and um, the community midwifery program wouldn't continue my care, which I was really upset about because I rang my midwife who I'd had had for, you know, about 10 weeks and I just said, can you just keep me on? I just, can you come to the hospital with me? Because the hospital had said that was fine if she wanted to come with me for the birth. And um, I just said, you know, I like the idea of having the same person. I don't want to go in there and get someone and, you know, that us not gel right or something on the day. Mm -hmm. Um, but she said that she wasn't allowed because it was sort of me having double care and because it's covered because it's government sort of thing. Um, you know, I think they think it's a bit unfair that someone else isn't getting that care and I'm getting double care. Yeah, okay. So I get it, but yeah, it was just um, that was a bit hard. And then um, luckily, um, King Eddie were really lovely. All the midwives um, were beautiful there. So when I'd go for my scans, there would be a group of midwives that you would see every time, and the sonographer. Um, and then, yeah, as it got closer to birth, I was just um, just really um, scared that they were going to sort of start trying to intervene and things like that, um, and I really didn't want that. So I started again at 37 weeks doing the acupuncture, um, did the fitball, did the dates, and she decided to come on at 39 weeks oh perfect and what was the plan once you went into spontaneous labor did you want to stay at home for as long as possible yeah. or get to the hospital yeah so this is a thing from last time like I did um the hypnobirth refresher which I really um would really recommend as well and the lady that does it for me was um dream birth and her name's Helena and she's just so beautiful and once I'd found out about what was happening with the baby I just got really sort of 
thrown and yeah. all like my sort of positivity and plans had gone out the window and I was very upset for a good few weeks there because they were even telling me at 24 weeks they wanted to do an amni and tiso um, on me with the needle and because they were talking even about genetic issues and chromosomal issues and me and my husband were just like beside ourselves we didn't know yeah. what was going on and after just going home and doing my own research on that needle I thought I'm not taking the risk because if there's nothing wrong with her she could go into I could go into labor and have her so early and then there's just a ripple effect of mm. issues just from her coming out so early so and I even said to the sonographer I said have you ever had anyone going to labor from this needle and she said yes and I said well I'm not getting it then because yeah. to me that's just too high of a risk like I know she's probably seen thousands of people but I just thought, um, you know, either way, we're always going to keep the baby. Um, so we'll just see what happens when the baby gets here. And so it was, they did scare us a lot more than we needed to be scared. Like um, at first, it was just such the fear of the unknown. So when I went and saw her, she just really grounded me again and made me feel so much better and that refresher. And, you know, I said to her, I was going to King Eddie and she'd been there so many times because she's a doula as well. So she was like, just make sure you ask for this midwife or don't get this midwife and you can take your own birthing pool because they told me I couldn't. She's like, you can, don't listen to them, you can. Mm -hmm. And she was just giving me all this information that I went away from there and I was just like, I feel so much better about this. I, I can still have the birth that I want at that hospital. Like, I've just got to be prepared. Yeah. And I also read that book by Rachel Reed as well, which I really love. So after that as well, I was just like, right, I'm good. Yeah, I've got this. <laughs> like everyone get back. <laughs> love it. Mama Lion. Uh, so um first son of labor. Yeah, so um I woke up at four AM um at thirty nine weeks and I felt the light period type cramps. Mm -hmm. But I sort of was just thinking to myself you know, like uh, maybe it's not anything because um, the last few nights I'd been having sort of dreams that I was going into labour and I just kept waking myself up. Oh. Yeah, I just kept waking myself up and not getting good sleeps and getting so angry because I was like, I need good sleeps. <laughs> um, and nothing actually had ever happened. It was just just dreams. But, yeah, this so this morning when I felt up, I was like, maybe I'm just, you know, overthinking this. But I tried to go back to sleep and they just um, – kept waking me up like every 20 minutes. So um, this time as well, I didn't want to um, count my contractions. Um, I found that just really just confusing, to be honest. And, yeah, so I just put that out the window. And obviously I would check my, the time every now and then, um, but I wasn't actively using that contraction counter. Um, yeah, so then I got up. Um, my husband was working from home from this stage because – we just thought if anything happens, just be home. Um, so he had got up and he was going to go for a run and I just said, just be where I think something's happening soon, so just get all your stuff in order with work and get ready. Um, so I couldn't go back to sleep then, so I just stayed up. And um, as the day sort of went on, the morning went on, they got to about 10 minutes apart, really manageable, just sort of breathing through them when they came, um, still like getting breakfast and um, playing with Caden and hanging around the house. Um, my sister was going to come to the birth with us, um, but she uh, couldn't because of COVID. You could only have one support person with you. So I called her to come over to watch Caden instead. Um, I was sort of getting to the point where I, I thought I haven't had, I've been up since 4am and I bet you I'm not going to sleep again now until the baby comes. So I want to just be able to rest. So um, my husband had a few urgent things to do with work. So she came over and she started watching Caden. Um, and I just went downstairs into the baby's room um, and I had my diffuser on. I was diffusing Clara Sage and um, had my um, affirmations on, my hypnobirthing affirmations on, just had my ball in there, had it all dark, laying down and just resting in between the contractions when I could uh, went upstairs around lunchtime, had lunch with them. Um, Caden was really cute. He was, like, breathing with me um, between my contractions and he's like, ah, oh, like we'd sort of, like, prepared him as well because we wanted him to, to hope, hopefully make it more of an easier transition for him. So yeah. we got a few books and I'd even got, like, this home birth book for him so he knew sort of what was going to happen and, you know, he knew where the baby was coming from and all that sort of stuff. So he was really, like... I guess, in tune with it all. And then I, by this stage as well, I had the TENS machine on and he was pushing it for me when I had the <laughs> contractions. He's like, can I push the button? Can I push the button? So he was doing that. It was really cute that Bless he was helping. Him. Yeah. Um, 
And then after lunch, went back downstairs, just um, was having my contractions in the room, just resting. And I noticed in the afternoon, if I stood up, they would come consistently every three minutes. But if I sat on the ball or I laid down, they would just go back to like seven, ten minutes apart. Okay. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so tired. I really don't, I really <laughs> should stand up, but <laughs> I just want to lay tired. here for a minute. Yeah. So um, it got to about five o'clock and my husband was like, why don't you go to the beach again? And he he took Caden out to the park. So me and my sister went to the beach um, and it was really rough <laughs> It was really rough, but I was so determined to go for a swim. I was like, this is a really good tradition. I'm going to go for a swim. So we both went in. She got dunked because she was watching me, but she got dunked. <laughs> uh, but once we got in there, it was really nice and calming, and I'm so glad that I did again because, yeah, it's just so nice. Um, then came home and I was thinking, what's happening? I was saying to my sister, I'm so sorry that I got you here early. It's probably not going to happen till tomorrow, you know, and she's like, no, no, it's fine. And then we're all sitting upstairs. I was on the Fitball, had the TENS machine back on, um, and my husband was making dinner. And this was at about 6 p.m. And then I just said, how long is dinner going to be? And he was like, I'm not sure. And I said, I've got to go to the shower now. I said, it's, it's, it's getting closer. Like, I need to get in the shower. So I went downstairs and got in the shower. And no one was checking on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> they probably thought, yeah, they're up there having dinner, like chatting. Oh, I'm like, hello. No. Funny. <laughs> so my, my sister did come down at one stage to give me some water. And I said, can you time them again now? I said, I feel like they're closer. Because when I'd gone down to go to the shower, I'd actually just got her to check a few. And they were coming every three minutes. So I was like, let's just, I said, I'm going to go down to the shower and I'll just make sure that they're coming every three minutes for an hour before I called the hospital because my plan was to stay home as long as possible because I wanted to avoid anything at the hospital, anyone trying to intervene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't want to go in any earlier than that. But then when I got down to the shower and by the time she'd come down to give me this water, I said, can you check these again? I said, I feel like they're even closer. And so she checked them and they were every minute. And that happened. That had happened in the space of half an hour. They'd gone up to every minute and they were lasting a minute. And... And I was just like, yeah, get Martin, um, get my husband to call the hospital. Um, so he called them. He was on the phone with them for ages. He was like, afterwards he was saying, you know, they're just really casual. And they're like, yeah, so what's your name? And like, you know, like, they just take their time. And he was like, I think she needs to come in. <laughs> um, they wanted to speak to me at one stage and asked how the, like, the pain level was. And I just said, yeah, you know, like it's quite intense now. Um, in between contractions, I was on the laying, just laying on the floor of the shower, basically. And then when I'd had the contractions, I would stand up and breathe and sway with the water on my back. Um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, she should come in. So we left, got every, got everything in the car and left. And the same sort of thing. When I got into the car, the contractions um, sort of weren't. They were, they, they were still intense, but they were coming less. So yeah. that was good. Um, but I also must have been getting up to the next stage then as well because the TENS machine wasn't helping. It was more annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, so at first I found found that really helpful in early labour. Um, but that, by that time I was like, get this thing off me. This is not helping now. It was sort of just making it worse, to be honest. Um, and then we got there about 830 and we got out of the car and I had to walk. This was the worst bit. Well, walk from the car to the ward. And, like, I had obviously because the contractions were every minute, I was just stopping all the time. At one point I was on the floor of the hospital, the hallway floor, with my pillow oh, <laughs> just doing a contraction on all fours. <laughs> and this lady says to my husband, because there was not really many people around, it was really quiet, um, there was only security at the door and they were just sort of looking at me like no one was like, okay, we'll get the midwives and get you a wheelchair or something. Oh, so at one point this lady's like, does she want a wheelchair? And he's like, no, no, she's fine. I was like, what? <laughs> like, why are you saying, thanks for answering for me, like, but... We ended up getting to the um, the lifts without it, and I got um, got into the ward. And my midwife, who um, was um, yeah, the midwife I had, came straight over, and she was just amazing. She put her um, hands straight on my hips and was pushing, and it just felt so good. I was like, oh yeah, this lady, this lady's for me. <laughs> so she put me in a wheelchair and wheeled me to my room. And even up there at the hospital, like. The rooms are pretty good there too, um, quite big. You've got your own toilet and shower again. Um, my husband, like, set up the diffuser straight away, had a salt lamp in the, in the bathroom so everything was dim still. Um, I got onto the bed um, 
and she started asking me questions. She was taking my blood pressure and things like that. And I was thinking, she's probably going to want to like check me in that. And she did say, can I check you? And I said, look, I don't mind you checking me, but please just don't tell me what I am. I said, I don't want to know because I must have been transitioning at this stage because I said in my head, if I find out that I'm only six centimetres, I'm going to die <laughs> and you're going to have to give me some drugs. <laughs> so I did not want to know. I was like, do not tell me anything because yeah. it was really intense. And um, she started asking me some questions and I just said, "Can I said, I've got a birth plan there. I said, can you just look at that? And I could see her really frantically trying to read over it. So she must have known that I was quite close because she was trying to do everything really quickly. Um, and... So, yeah, she was reading over that and read all the things I wanted um, and she'd obviously read on there that I wanted to birth in the pool if I could and I didn't know this at the time but a lot of people, they don't actually let a lot of people actually birth in the pool up there at the hospital. They sort of just let them labour in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hadn't bought my own pool, um, my, hired my own one at that stage. It was just too late and um, so I said to her, can I get in the bath? And she said, yeah, yeah, I'll go fill it up. It takes about 45 minutes. And so I just hopped into the shower while I was waiting, had it all dark in there, um, just ended up on all fours. And literally from being – we got to the hospital about 8.30, I think, I reckon, and then by the time I was in the shower, it was probably about 9, 9.30. And as soon as I got in there, I just already started – I was like, I need to push. I could feel the pushing starting. So I started doing those pushing sounds. Mm-hmm. Um and then she came back in and she said, look, um, I've spoken to the doctors and they've said you can um, labour in the bath but you're not allowed to actually give birth in the bath. And she goes, but, you know, like if you accidentally have the baby in there or you just you say to me I'm not coming out, then, you know, well, what can we really do? And I was like, cool. Amazing. I was like, cool, no worries, I've got you. I love her. <laughs> so she was she, – yeah, so she was – I was really lucky to have her as well. I feel like she was She was the midwife for me. Yeah. I didn't have to, you know, like try and fight anything off with her or anything like that. She was She was on my page. So mm. um, when, the, uh, when the bath was full, they took me to the room and I popped in there and she just said, um, when you're a little bit closer, we'll get a second midwife in just to help me. I said, yep, no worries. It was all dark in there. She had the torch and her mirror. Um, my husband had gone to get ice again. Literally within being in there within like two minutes, I was like really pushing. Um, I'd sort of lost control a little bit of that hypnobirthing technique of keeping calm and breathing. (laughs) I'd gotten to that stage where I was just like this is, you know, the pushing stage where it was starting to sting and I sort of just got into the grunting um, mode more and was finding it hard to keep my breathing calm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm so glad that it was a really quick... um, birth because yeah I just was started feeling a little bit out of control there and I actually said where's my husband and I found out later on that he'd actually gone and made himself a green tea and he was sitting in the bedroom um in the birth suite drinking it and I was like what afterwards I was like what the hell I'm in labor and you're having a green tea he's like yeah but last time you were pushing for like two hours I thought I could just have a little bit of a break I was like you wanted to have a break (laughs) just relaxing while I'm like going through it all um So he came back in and he had the ice on my back and I was just gripping onto his hands. And then basically within a couple of pushes, um, within a couple of pushes, the midwife, she said, okay, the other midwife's coming now. And I was like, wow, that's really fast because last time I was pushing for two hours basically. And I was like, the other midwife's already here, like thinking in my head, this is crazy. And then, um, then she said, okay, Sarah, I have to say to you now, your baby's coming, you need to come out of the bath um, and I said, no, I'm going to stay in the bath. And she goes, yep, that's it. We're not talking about that again. No worries. Oh, so amazing. Yeah, she was awesome. And was Bub going in and out again? No, it wasn't like that at all. It was literally when she had said, you know, you need to get out of the bath. Literally within like the next push, her head was out. Um, and then they're like, do you want to feel the head? And I felt the head and it was all like it was all soft and bubbly and I was like, why is it like this? And they're like, she's, the baby's still in the sack. And I was like, oh, my goodness, yeah. So she was still in her sack and then um, the next push, uh, then she said, okay, I think in the next push she's going to come out. So I was leaning over the bath with my elbows on the bath and my knees. Um, I was on my knees and she's like, right, in the next push put your hands between your legs and you can catch the baby. So, um, yeah, so in the next push she came out and I caught her and, 
brought her up onto my chest and she was still in her sack and it just popped as I grabbed her. And then it sort of just popped all around her and then she, like, gasped to take her first breath because obviously all that water was sort of going back into her mouth from the the sack. And then she was on me and it was just, like, so – it was, I was shocked. I didn't cry this time. I was sort of just like looking at my husband going, what What just happened? Like that was so quick. Yeah. Yeah. And she was um, on call. How amazing. Yeah. And I and I was on call as well. So, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. Yeah. That so it was is really, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the midwife was like, oh, this is really rare. And we've only had, I think she said they'd only had one there before or that she had she had been at or something. So, yeah, okay. Um, but yeah it speaks volumes as well to your ability to go within during your labor because a lot of on-call births are described as super intense because you're not getting that pressure relief when the bag breaks yeah and that's what I mean like I did really just stay and that's what I did during both births I really just went inside and I didn't even want anyone talking to me so like even when she was trying to talk to me I was like just read the birth plan please I can't talk like Mm. it just would distract me and get me out of that zone yeah so yeah so that was really really beautiful and um she she got to sit on me and um had the delay called clamping again Mm. because of the kidney they wanted the pediatricians wanted to check her basically straight after the, the delay called clamping so they um they cut her um, – my husband cut the, um, the cord and he went with her just with the paediatricians out of that room. Mm-hmm. And um, I sat in the bath and they're like, so you said on your birth plan you want to um, birth your placenta. And I was like, just get that placenta <laughs> out of me. Because the contractions were still coming on, on the same. And with Caden they had done the injection and it had come out basically by itself. So I had never actually really given birth to the placenta and I thought, no, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to do it. But once I'd done what I wanted to do, you know, that was basically like my dream birth. I was just like, just just get the placenta out of me. I don't want to feel um, the contractions anymore. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so um, they did that and then I went back to the room and I had a second-degree tear um, and they stitched that. But honestly, the recovery with just having a tear is like a uh, uh, hundred times better than being cut for sure. Yeah. How were you feeling in those moments after just giving birth to her? Oh, I was on such a high and I just kept thanking that midwife so much. She was just amazing. She was only 26 oh. and she was um she was she's basically the coordinator there now. She's just obviously gone straight from school and done her education and just she's been to so many births and that she was really um knowledgeable and she just was amazing. She's like I knew exactly what you wanted and she goes, you know, sometimes you've just got to do what you've got to do to let your mums get what they want. And um, I just kept thanking her and just saying, you know, we just – and I also a lot of it was because I stayed home for so long as well. Yeah, of course. Um, I guess when you enter the system, though, you are kind of in their hands. So yeah. it's great that your midwife respected your choices and wasn't yeah. fighting you along the way, which would have impacted your labour. Exactly. And you not. And that's what scared me. Like I didn't know – I was. I just felt like I wasn't going to be in control until that day, and who knows what was going to happen. So, and every time I'd go to see the midwives for the scans as well, you know, some of them would could be quite pushy as well with, you know, getting the, um, you know, get the getting the, um, the test done. Uh, what's the the group B tests and things like that and I would just say no no and I, I'm sure all of them just were just really rolling their eyes at me mm-hmm. but um I was like no I'm not doing this I know what I want and yeah yeah so um did you have to stay longer because of her cysts or so we only stayed for 24 hours basically so I had her at 10 o'clock at night and then they moved me to the ward um at about 2 a.m and then we were out by 2 p.m the next morning they just checked her over um and everything was fine and she just all of the things that she needed to get tests done was all could be done as an outpatient so we went home and she was feeding good um she ended up having a little tongue tie as well, not as bad as Caden, but we ended up getting that corrected and she's been sacking on the weight and mm. she's just um, perfect, yeah. yeah. And what about your placenta? Did you do anything special with those? Yeah, so I took them both home and we've got a lemon tree and we've planted them both under there, so that's the little placenta tree so how beautiful I know and the, the this is what I had to tell you as well so I said to my husband make sure you take a video because my sister wasn't going to be there I was like make sure you at least get a video or some photos he's like yep 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 and then as she's coming out like obviously he's helping me but as she was coming out he stood up to take a photo and he had the camera around the other way so oh. instead of having a photo of her in her sack which we didn't get oh, we've got no. a photo of his face and it's like this look of fear <laughs> 
no. So he showed me afterwards and I was like, oh, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Like, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that is too funny. So good. He'll never live uh, that one down. Yes. I mean, he got some beautiful photos once she was on me and stuff like that. But uh, honestly, this face is just so hilarious. Oh, it's like he's so scared. <laughs> I suppose it would have been weird for him seeing Encore. Yeah. So to wrap yeah. up the episode, what would be your key piece of advice for any expectant mothers out there? So I'd say nothing ever goes to plan, um, but you just have to be prepared mm-hmm. and have your preferences. You know, a lot of people say birth plan, but I would say birth preferences. Um, and so you are in control of, you know, your birth and always ask questions. Um, edu- educate yourself. Um, always do your own research and don't just take things as they are presented to you because more often than not in life, not even just birth, it's not as it seems. Yeah. Um, and you are in control of your body, your mind, your pregnancy and um, your birth. So, yeah, definitely educate. Um, a lot of people, I think, just go, oh, I'm pregnant, I'll go to the doctors and that's it. But mm. honestly, it does you wonders actually knowing more about your body and what's going to happen and the things that they want to put into your body and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that's made a difference for me having positive births. Yeah. And have you had a better postpartum this time around? Yeah, so much quicker this time too. Like I felt like after two weeks I was good to go. No swelling. Um, Yeah, yeah. Started walking. We went for family walks after two weeks, um, whereas last time it was a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and obviously because I've got the toddler, (laughs) it's straight back into it anyway. Of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, it's been so beautiful to chat with you today, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been good. That brings us to the end of today's episode, everyone. Such an inspiring story that I really hope reaches the people it needs to. I think when mothers are faced with any kind of high-risk label, it's hard not to immediately assume the worst. Plus, you know, the fear that comes with such a label can be crippling for some. Drawing inspiration from Sarah's journey, seek out as much information as possible before making any decisions and have a birth plan in place that covers in detail any path you might face so that you know that your preferences are being received along the way. Also really important to make sure that anyone entering your birth space is aware of those preferences so that all you have to do is focus on you and your baby. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Let me know what you think over on the PBA Instagram and I'll see you all next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia.